Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets. But the point is, I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. I don't know. I haven't got Instagram on my phone. They locked me out. Yo, uh, yeah, man. Instagram, holla at me, yo. I can't get in my account. Uh, I'm locked out, so. <laughs> I'm locked out, man. I Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, just like Rob Palinka, we are thankful to Jordan Clarkson and the Lakers' recent winning ways for allowing us to partake of our home-cooked meals the way they were meant to be partaken. Fresh and hot out the oven. Not cold, which is what would have happened if the Lakers had continued losing the last few games without Lonzo Ball. So thank God for that. Speaking of home-cooked dishes, Tommy Alexander... What is your favorite or best home-cooked dish, and can you actually make it yourself? Oh, interesting. At first, I thought you were going to only ask me what I can make for myself, but <laughs> the home-cooked dish that I like the most that I can make for myself is just, you know, simple, uh, just like, a, you know, a nice ribeye steak. Enjoy myself Ooh, okay. a nice uh, ribeye steak. I'm, I make a pretty good steak, or so I've been told. Oh, so you, you make it and it's your favorite for yourself. For myself, yeah. But the, in terms of home-cooked meals generally, I don't know. That's a separate question. You're going to have to ask me another time once I once I think about it. Once you get your 2018 New Year's resolution set. That's right. So can you explain to people why I asked you about why we're talking about home-cooked dishes and hotness and coldness? And I'm guessing you like your ribeye steak hot, right? I like it nice and hot. Okay. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, this is, I'm probably going to like miss, I'm not even going to try to quote it, but it was something to the effect of an article came out um, where, where uh, they were interviewing Rob Palenka and he said that 
uh, when the Lakers don't play well, it starts to influence his, his personal life. Like he's not able to make eat the food that he cooks for himself, and his vegetables get cold. <laughs> I, I want to know though what he actually cooks for himself, and what what is a Rob Palenka home cooked dish? Maybe it is a ribeye steak. I'd imagine it's something pretty fancy, and he just you know lets it go to waste and lets it be cold. Either way, that hasn't been a problem for Rob Palenka recently. Hasn't been a problem for us. I guess for me, in terms of home-cooked dish, I can't really cook, but I can cook a pretty mean Spam Masubi, but that you can actually eat cold, so I guess that doesn't really work or apply in this case. But you know what? Welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. This is pretty much going to be Lakers Trade Deadline Part 2, and then we're going to do Part 3 and Part 4 till eventually we get to the actual Trade Deadline on February 8th. Yeah, so that's how this episode is going to go. We're just going to be tossing out more trade proposal ideas, but also go deeper and delve into what the front office could possibly be thinking. What are you thinking? (laughs) But in terms of what the Lakers are doing currently, they are riding a two-game winning streak, thanks to Jordan Clarkson, who in the last two games is averaging over 30-plus points. And of course, because of that, I'm going to be naming this episode Zero Clark 30. Ayo! Yay! (laughs) And also, Zero Dark 30, Zero Clark 30 works because the Lakers are also undergoing this secret operation to... Actually, it's not so secret. This operation (laughs) to also trade Jordan Clarkson, which is ironic. (laughs) (laughs) Super sad. Uh, But yeah, anyways, before we get into the Lakers news and get into delving into the Lakers front office intentions... As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is one additional follicle of hair that will grow on Caruso Mania's head. Oh, man. <laughs> and with how well he's playing, I think we should help him out and restore this dude's dignity. So rate and review <laughs> us on iTunes because more Alex Caruso follicles of hair. Well, speaking of rating interviews, tonight we're going to have none other than Big Balder brand Alex Caruso to read the review. So Tommy Alexander will be channeling Alex Caruso. This review is entitled Lighthearted, Entertaining, and Informative by Costco Samples. I love this podcast. Their casual, fun-loving style really brightens my day as they talk about the latest Lakers news while injecting jokes and humor the whole time. I could listen to these guys all day. Also, I am continually amazed that they can get real NBA figures like Charles Barkley and Luke Walton on the show. Winky emoji. It's so awesome how they do that. And it just shows how great their podcast is that people in the NBA always keep wanting to come onto the show. Nothing but praise. Awesome. Hey, thank you, Costco Samples. You know, I got to commend our listeners. These reviews are pretty funny to read. They're pretty good, dude. I really appreciate it. So with that said, Costco Samples, again, thank you for that funny review, funny, witty review. Um, But Tommy, you sounded just like Alex Caruso there. And I have to ask you, what went into your channeling of... Alex Caruso. I tried to imagine a guy who went to Texas A&M and has been getting shit on by Jordan Clarkson all over social media the last few days. Uh, and I just went with that. Nice. I'm glad you didn't imagine his balding head. Um, but hey, Alex <laughs> Caruso, what do you have last game? Seven points, seven assists, and zero turnovers? Something ridiculous what like a that? Baller, I mean, solid defense. 
Yeah, he has been balling out, and he's one of the main reasons why the Lakers have stayed afloat outside of Jordan Clarkson while Lonzo Ball has been out. And hopefully he'll be starting. If if Lonzo Ball is still out against the Celtics, hopefully Carissa will be starting that game. So we will see. All right, with that said, yeah, please rate and review us on iTunes. Also, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you want to contribute a dollar, three dollars, one-time donation, per-month donation, please go ahead and do that. And I also did a pretty quick write-up of, you know, what we're all about, what we do as individuals, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, go on and visit our page over there, patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Uh, with that said, let's quickly go into some Lakers news before we get back into the trade deadline talk. So, Tommy, we signed a new player, 10-day contract player. His name is Nigel Hayes. He is 6'7", about 250 pounds. He's a big boy. He's a big boy, and he primarily plays power forward. So I wanted to get your take and thoughts on this signing because I thought it was interesting. One, I think it's the first signing where it actually lines up with what the front office was talking about in terms of getting more shooters because – he can shoot right now in the G League. He's shooting like 40% from three-point land. Um, mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is he's a power forward. I mean, you can kind of get away with maybe saying he's a wing player, but this dude's a power forward. I watched some of his highlights. I watched him in. I think he play, played in Wisconsin, and he likes to post up a lot. He takes a lot of mid-range jump shots, and I think he unlocked his three-point shooting prowess a little more once he got into the G League. Um, and tried to start his professional career. So it's, I, mean, I don't know, it's interesting. I, I think, what are your thoughts on this? Does it say anything about the Lakers maybe prepping for a Randall trade, or it's just they want to take a flyer on a versatile guy like this, who I think, in my opinion, is kind of like a slightly shorter but buffer and more built Markeith Morris type. So what do you think about Nigel Hayes? Uh, yeah, I think it was about taking a flyer on a guy. Um I don't know that this says anything about, you know, what they're planning on doing uh, moving forward in the next couple of weeks with obviously the trade deadline is looming. I, I think it's interesting because I want to say, I mean, I Nigel Hayes is a tweener in the bad way. And the way we mean that is like, he's a little bit, he, he's actually not too, he, maybe even a tweener is a bad thing. I, I, I think that like, he is a power forward, like you said, but I, don't know how we intend to use him, but part of me feels like we're intending to use him as a backup wing. The issue with that is, like you said, he's six seven. Um, he has a seven three wingspan, which is absurdly good for a small forward, uh, even good for a power forward. And he can shoot the three. Um, he is too slow uh, laterally. Um, you know, straight up and down the court, he's not bad for, especially for his size. Like I said, he's a big boy. He's like a solid 250 and he uses his strength. Um, but because of his size, he's not, uh, quick enough to move laterally and defend wings. So it is an interesting, very interesting signing in the sense that like, I don't, I just don't get how this moves the needle. It's not like we have injuries at the power forward position. Um, it seems like Luke would favor a guy like Corey Brewer overthrowing in Nigel Hayes just because Corey Brewer at least plays defense, which is mostly what we need off the bench because we have some other scorers. Um, it would be nice to get his shooting into the lineup, and apparently he's a really good teammate. Um, but it is a, it's kind of confusing, and I'm actually can I'm actually surprised that the media hasn't talked about this more. I feel like everybody just says, oh, Lakers signed. You know, when they first signed him, it was all like, ooh, Lakers signed forward Nigel Hayes. And then I saw he was 6'7", and I was like, oh, I guess he's uh, 
power or a small forward. And then I nope. started watching tape. Yeah. I started watching tape on him. Well, first of all, I looked him up and I was like, okay, this dude is 250 pounds. He is not a small forward. Um, then I started watching some tape on him and it's offensively. He can play the wing. Like he shoots threes. He shoots curling off of screens. Like he's not like a slow lumbering big offensively. Um, he does like to post, like you said, but I don't know. Some wings like to like Corey Brewer uses utilizes the post a little bit. I, all that stuff is fine to me. The issue is defensively he cannot guard wings. Um, so I I feel like it's interesting that the media who's been talking all summer or sorry all season, including uh, Pincus who we had on the last show um, about how the Lakers have this like logjam at the three because they have three legit guys or sorry at the four because they have three legit guys who can play that position and Randall Kuzma. And Nance, and even if you're giving Randall a fair amount of minutes at the five, like there's still only so many minutes to go around between Kuzma and Nance. So I, I just don't, it doesn't really make sense to me, but I, you know, I'd like to see what he can do just because he's on the team now, but I'm, it's very possible he just doesn't even play uh, the entire 10 day contract. Yeah, so I like his versatility, and apparently early on in his college career, he was slated to be maybe even a first-round draft pick. He just kind of slipped for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he can post up. He has some moves down there. He can shoot the three. He likes to shoot that mid-range jump shot a lot. He can has some playmaking ability as well. But for all the reasons you just stated, it, it not making sense, um, Julius Randle has... Even though he's still playing a majority of his minutes at the back of five, he's also been playing next to Brooke Lopez more recently at the power forward spot. So I'm not saying this means anything for Julius Randle, but I would like to point out that don't be surprised if it does mean something. I don't know. Well, the only other thing I was going to say was I don't so like I don't think there's a team out there that can take Brooke um, just because there aren't that team that many teams out there that first of all need us. Well, a lot of teams need a stretch five, but not that many teams that need a stretch five have like 18 million of expiring contracts to send back to us. Um, even if it's multiple, um, the one thing I was thinking though, was if we, you know, traded Brooke or if we took Brooke out of the lineup, I, it's kind of early to do that now, but if we did one of those two things because of Hayes's, um, seven, three wingspan, it might be an interesting dynamic to have him next to Randall. Cause Randall's more of the physical guy, but Hayes down there can give you some rim protection and he can space the floor for Randall, which is very important. Agree. All right. Before we move on to our next topic, we've got a special visitor. Well, he's not a visitor because it's just Alan Riley. So we're going <laughs> to we're, we're gonna bring him Alan. onto the podcast. It's just Alan. All right, Alan. I'm on a, in. What's that? Hey, Mr. Alan. Alan, hey, how's Alan. it going, man? Are you recording right now? Yes, sir. Okay, perfect. Why don't you say hello to our loyal listeners and tell them where you were just at tonight? Hello, friends. I was at Tycho Drum Practice oh. in Pasadena, <laughs> California. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is Tycho? <laughs> Uh, naturally, us being a bunch of Asian dudes, uh, taiko is a Japanese style of drumming, and I've been taking that class since about August, so that is where I came from. I'm a very, very diverse person. Nice. Hey. Tommy, you're an Asian dude? I am now. <laughs> I mean, people say that, but those three Asian, these three little, they assume we're little, three little Asian dudes. Yeah, we're actually, Tom, we're Tom all obese, not. so that shows you. <laughs> And I have multiple personalities, so actually it's kind of like four people at times. Yeah. All right, well, yeah, before, dumb comment. 
before Stupid. this episode gets even more off the rails. Alan, we were just talking about Nigel Hayes. I don't know if you've been able to watch him play at all, but any thoughts on the Lakers' new signing, Nigel Hayes? His jersey's already on the way to my house. Great. I uh, pre-ordered it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're going to wear it when you do taiko drumming. <laughs> Oh, dude, all day, for sure. I'm going to actually make everyone in our class buy, buy those number 15 jerseys. I think he's wearing number 15. But anyway, um, he's, he's really big. He's 6'8", 254 pounds, but he's kind of like a tweener. But these days, I guess that isn't such a bad thing. Um, I don't know how much you guys have talked about. So this, do you want me to give like a breakdown breakdown right now? Cause I did an extent, an extensive, uh, research today. Oh, so tell us what you like about him for us. Uh, he seems to enjoy contact. (laughs) I think he kind of likes bullying people. Um, that being said, he has pretty good footwork, I feel Mm -hmm. like, in like fundamentals. Uh, most of the highlights I saw, he tends to play with his back to the basket and he'll like utilize a lot of reverse pivots and drop steps and things of that nature. So, um, at least he isn't just like trying to power through guys. Um, a lot of three pointers for sure. Um, he shoots, what is it? 44% from three, at least in the D league. So, or G league. So that's pretty darn impressive. Despite the fact that his stroke is a little bit weird. He's got a weird hesitation in there. Shoots 72.6 from the free throw line, which is better than our team on average as we are shooting 68 as a team. Um, seems pretty aggressive. So yeah, it's a lot of catch and shoot threes. I feel like. Yeah, also, he has a 7-foot-3 wingspan, so he's pretty long as well, uh, even though he's only 6'7". But yeah, I I kind of compared him to like a slightly shorter, more built, kind of like a Markeith Morris-Serge Ibaka kind of fusion. Um, But yeah, he's interesting, and and, you know, Tommy and I talked about how it's it's weird that he's also a power forward since we have a glut there, so we're not sure if that means anything with regards to one of the power forwards getting shipped out, Nance, mm, Julius Randle. Speculation. Speculation. Who knows? But it is a 10-day contract. It could just be a random flyer. So we will see. Um, so I'm going to talk about some other news points. I think I'll pitch it to one of you two since so we can get the show moving along. Um, Tommy, so Rob Polinka came out this weekend for an interview with Backstage Lakers, kind of just talking about the Lakers' future plans in towards the trade deadline in free agency. And, you know, some may, may have heard that interview and said, is Rob Polinka backtracking a little based off of how vocal Magic Johnson has been in the summer about the two max free agent slots, even saying after they traded D'Angelo Russell that they wouldn't have made this deal if they didn't have something planned or, you know, something along those lines. So given Rob Polinka's interview this past weekend and pretty much just saying there's a number of different avenues we can go. And one of those avenues is we might stick with our young core players. I just wanted to get your thoughts and impressions on, on what he said. Is he just managing expectations at this point? Um, Is he a little scared of the way that of how vocal both of them have been or yeah, is there anything to read into that interview or is it just typical, you know, Rob Palenka, AKA Mitch Kupchak type speech or speak? I th- I think it's mostly classic Mitch Kubchak speak in the, in the sense of like it's this is not just like a Lakers specific thing. We obviously are super into the Lakers, but every team in the NBA has a thing and I'm you know whether it's warranted or not, but every team is very concerned about um 
keeping their plans private. And I'm not even talking about managing fans' expectations, but just, like, other GMs. Like, nobody wants anybody else to know what their, like, angles are and, like, what they're kind of looking at. Uh, Because when you know that kind of stuff, it kind of gives you an advantage in terms of, you know, whether, like, making trades or stuff like that. Um, My take on that was the trade deadline is coming up in a few weeks. Uh, Does anybody know the exact date? It's, like, only in two weeks or something. February 8th. Oh, so like three weeks, uh, the trade deadline is coming up. And if we trade Jordan, I'm not, I don't know what we're going to do about Julius Randle, but if we trade Jordan Clarkson, to me, that is a very strong sign that everything Rob Palenka said in this meeting was complete BS. And it's clear, like we're headed down the path that we all kind of thought we were headed down this whole season. Um, if we don't trade Clarkson, then maybe he is being serious and maybe he's, just like, look, the, he's trying to manage expectations. Like you said, like we have this idea. It's very possible. Like as, as, as has happened the past three years, we don't get anybody. So we're just going to have to move forward with the young core. Um, I don't know. I, I think in given what we know now, I think he's just posturing more than anything else, but it, uh, we'll see what, what happens with Clarkson at the deadline in particular. That's going to be the one thing I'm most interested about. Yeah, and we'll talk about that a little more as well. I agree with you for the most part. I do think it's just, you know, right before the trade deadline, let's just be as vague and general as possible. If we can even put a thin veil of towards our very vocalized plans, we're going to do so, and who knows what happens from there. But I guess I'll ask Alan now, if we take it back to the summer, or I guess here's the question. Has the Lakers being so vocal about their plans, do you think that's hurt them at all or kind of forced them into a corner where now they have to be like, oh, shoot, we better actually perform here and have something to show for it because we already enacted this plan. And not only did did we enact it, we were pretty blatant and brash about it to the point where the league had to fine us for tampering charges because we pretty much said, Paul George, you're coming to us. If the Pacers don't want to trade you to us, then fine, we'll just wait for you, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of just being super blunt and almost cocky about it do you think that's hurt them at all at this point where maybe they feel the pressure maybe they they've backed themselves into a corner where maybe they start making rash moves just to get some sort of you know fruit from this so that they can show fans look we got something out of this and it wasn't all just smoke so i guess yeah do do you think that them being vocal has hurt them in any way um i mean yeah they were pretty brazen (laughs) over the summer um I think from a public perception standpoint, if you just look at the fans, sure, you could say that they essentially hyped it up too much, built up extremely high expectations, and now the fans are going to hold them to that. Um, So now it's like, okay, let's actually taper that down a little bit. That way fans aren't, you know, hoping for the moon and the stars, basically. If we don't achieve it, it's going to look like some sort of failure. So maybe in that sense, if they really care what the fans think um you you could argue that it has hurt them from a tactical perspective whether this is actually going to impede them obtaining free agents or not um i mean magic and palinka obviously have a lot of relationships with different owners and gms and whatever all around the league and i i don't think the way they came off this summer was necessarily surprising to you know rival front office people so would it actually hurt us in terms of acquiring guys i I wouldn't say yes to that that being said 
<laughs> I think they learned their lesson just in terms of, you know what, let's just play it cool instead of um, being so like passionately sure of ourselves, you know? Um, Cause what's the point in that? Like, does that actually give you an advantage to, as you said, like be cocky? I don't think it gives you an advantage. Does it give you a disadvantage? Eh, maybe, maybe not. It's arguable. So how about you just play it safe instead kind of right down the middle um so yeah i think an argument can be made that that was them just being young and they even said in backstage or not backstage lectures uh connected with like it was kind of the honeymoon phase you know and you could argue that they're still sort of in it but rob palenka himself said yeah like i've learned a lot um just in the basically last year that i've been in this position so not sure if that answers the question but uh yeah, those those are my thoughts. Yeah, I think it does. Uh, Tommy, do you have any thoughts on whether you think this has hurt them a little, or do you think they're kind of learning from there? If you want to call it mistakes, we can call it a mistake. Uh, I don't know that anything they've done so far has hurt them, um, because they came out with like you know for you know whatever, dude. Like when we were three years ago, we were in the exact same, or even two years ago, we were in the exact same position we are now, right? Like. It was no secret. Mitch in every interview would be like, we're saving cap space to chase max players. And we have the same speculation. I feel like now we feel like it's a little bit stronger uh, speculation. But if we just like got in our time machine and the DeLorean and pumped it to 88 miles per hour and went back in time to your favorite movie (laughs) to two years ago, we would feel just as confident that like, okay, well, we're not going to get, maybe we won't get so-and-so, but there's like 10 max free agents. We'll get somebody. And then like one by one, DeMar DeRozan didn't come and everybody started re-signing or going to different teams, not us, or most people wouldn't even give us meetings. So that entire season, we kind of talked ourselves through it the exact same way we are now. Like, oh, so-and-so is definitely going to come. Russell Westbrook's definitely going to come. You know what I mean? And so we've been down this path before. So I don't think that anything they've said necessarily hurts us. Um, but I do think that like this was a targeted uh, nobody get your hopes up for something crazy to happen to the deadline type of uh, type of interview. Yeah, I agree. And at the end of the day, I think even without them saying it, the moves that they've made have made it clear what their plan is. And I don't know if any of this is kind of working in their heads in terms of, and this is why my I have this theory that they'd want to clear cap space right on July 1st without having to do any extra maneuvers, whether that means Jordan Clarkson's already gone or they have to renounce Julius Randle on July 1st. I think they've put a lot of pressure on themselves and I don't think, you know, I don't think it's scaring them off at all, but I think they put it enough pressure on themselves to kind of say we better deliver and we better make sure that we clean up every corner and put ourselves in the best position to deliver. And I think part of that goes with having two max slots open, clean, cut and dry on July 1st, especially because, you know, some of the risks involved with this plan is potentially losing some of the or all of the trust the process part one players from D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle. So there's definitely risk involved. And when you're putting those guys at risk, I think they're going to try and do everything possible to, one, not only have two max cap slots open on July 1st, but also have some assets to show for Jordan Clarkson or even Julius Randle just in case, you know, LeBron James doesn't come or Paul George doesn't come. And because I think it's going to be slightly even more embarrassing, not that they're thinking too deeply about this. I think it's going to be slightly embarrassing if, one, they already don't have a first round pick in this stacked 2018 draft, right? 
I think they'd want one, even if it's a late one. And the fact that we could be seeing the Boston Celtics use our own pick against us, maybe even more embarrassing. And then if we end the summer without any star free agents, you know, that's embarrassment on top of embarrassment. And we may have lost D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, and Julius Randle for nothing, you know? So I think they're going to try and do everything possible to arm themselves properly for this summer. And maybe they, they wouldn't have had that pressure on them if they hadn't been so vocal. But at the end of the day, I think Rob Palenka is savvy enough and smart enough to know what he's doing as a former agent. So we'll, we'll see. With that said, before we get into more trade proposals and predictions with regards to Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson, I want to pitch it over first to our sponsors, and then we will catch you guys after the turn. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. All right, so we are back, and we're going to be talking about, again, Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle. Um, First, though, around the NBA, there have been some trade rumors regarding other teams. I wanted to see if you guys had any thoughts on whether the Lakers should attain them or whether they could even do that as well. Um, The Hornets apparently are willing to part ways with Kemba Walker. Um, I think that's contingent, though, on the team that takes Kemba Walker on to also take on one of their bad salaries. So, And they have so many bad salaries. And they have a lot of those. So that may mean taking on Dwight Howard. Ugh. Maybe dude, taking bring on... him back. <laughs> That'd be gross, dude. <laughs> D12. Maybe Nick Batum, who wouldn't be bad. Nick Batum wouldn't be a bad take on, but I don't know. Bada bing, bada boom, 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 boom Batum. Boom, boom, Batum. Do you guys have any interest in Kemba Walker whatsoever? No. Alan? Not particularly. I mean, just knowing what's going to come along with it. Yeah, I agree. He's going to take up cap space. He is on for one more year after this one. And then, yeah, like I said, Charlotte will probably want us to take on another one of their bad long-term contracts, and that will impede us from getting two max stars, unless you consider Kemba Walker one max star, and I don't think any of us do. And also, we don't know what it's going to cost to get Kemba Walker, so you're probably trading Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson... Who, who knows what else to get these guys. So what about the Utah Jazz? So right now the Utah Jazz have made Rodney Hood available. They're kind of in the same position the Lakers are in. Rodney Hood is going to be a restricted free agent this summer. I don't think they want to pay him. Could the Lakers possibly get in there? And um, I guess this is where we can start going into some trade, potential trade speculation. Is there any way that we can get Rodney Hood on a flyer for Jordan Clarkson and we, we take on Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson to make the salaries work? Uh, Tommy, what do you think about that? Uh, so sorry, can you, cause I'm not looking at the numbers right now on Rodney hood is he's just an, he's a restricted free agent this summer. Was he drafted the same year Randall was drafted? Yep. So they both probably have the yeah, same, same cap hold. But hood was drafted like later. So it's probably a smaller cap. Hold. Yeah. He's like in the teens. Yeah. So it would probably be like 8 million or something. Yeah. <sighs> Uh, I actually, I actually like that trade. I mean, I don't know if the Jazz would do it. I don't know if they would be interested in somebody like Clarkson. I mean, they do need a young guard who 
you know, they have on a cost controlled contract who can like go out there and put up some points for them. I don't know whatever happened to Alec Burks. Like I don't follow the jazz at all. Cause they're horrendously boring to me, but like Alec Burks was supposed to be their Jordan Clarkson. So I don't know whatever happened to that fool. I don't know if he's playing. I know he was hurt a lot last year, but, um, so I don't know if the jazz would do something like that, but if Rodney hood's cap hold is like pretty low, those are the, that's the type of player like we're going to need if we are going to try to build like a super team um because he can spot up and just rain threes and he's long um so you can theoretically I mean I think he's already a pretty good defender but he could play some perimeter defense for you and hit threes so I like that trade I just I don't think Utah would do it and he's a badass too cuz he knocks uh, cell phones out of people's hands yeah <laughs> he does that <laughs> we need some of that so his cap hold is actually seven million, so about five million less than Julius Randle. Um, so yeah, I think it's something interesting to talk about. And maybe you know, if you want to include Randle, you could expand this trade to here we go: Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle for Rodney Hood, Joe Johnson, Derek Favors, and Tony Bradley. <laughs> what do you think? What do you guys think about that? Bringing totally Tony Bradley back home. Bring him back home as the Lakers, you know, last year there were rumors that the Lakers had promised Tony Bradley uh, their number 28 draft pick, but they ended up trading it anyways. And uh, But yeah, so, you know, Derek Favors is an unrestricted free agent. We'd essentially just be taking a flyer on him for the next three months to the end of the season. Maybe there's a chance you could re-sign him. And then Rodney Hood, you could also make that decision whether or not to make him a restricted free agent like Randall, but he'd obviously only be taking up $7 million as opposed to $12.4 million. But essentially, you're getting rid of Jordan Clarkson and Julius Randle's um, salaries in that deal as well, while also maybe taking a flyer on Tony Bradley. So, any thoughts, Alan? Um, I've always been pretty high on Rodney Hood, to be honest. Um, I mean, and he does fill that need, you know, for, like Tommy said, just being a knockdown shooter, He's a decent defender too. Um, man, that's a lot to give up, and that's it's kind of a lot to get back. But uh, I, I'm in, I'm pretty enticed by it, to be honest. I don't know if I'm ready to go full full committal to it though. Yeah, so I mean, I think the thing that's going on here is we're pretty much just trading players that we that we're not sure we're going to be able to keep for more for other players that we're also not sure we're going to be able to keep. Probably not going to keep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're just shuffling the deck, and yeah. But I guess you can make the case for Rodney Hood, given the fact that, one, he frees up a little more cap space than Julius Randle would, and presumably he might be a better fit, right? Because he's a shooting wing who can probably play some defense as well, and that type of player, like Tommy said, might fit a the superstar type of team that we're trying to build. So I think in that area... It's intriguing, but I, I, I don't I don't know if the Utah Jazz would do it and I don't know if the Lakers would do it, but it's just something to throw out there since those are the guys that you, the Utah Jazz are trying to deal. So I have a couple other trade proposals before I want to ask you guys my main question of the night, which is how do we weigh the Randall risk of keeping him through the trade deadline? But before we get to that, yeah, I have a couple more trade ideas. Tommy, you brought up the Atlanta Hawks idea, and I feel like that that Hawks idea for Jordan Clarkson is almost inevitable at this point. It's almost like the Lou Williams for Rockets trade that we thought was going to happen last year, and it ended up happening. It just to me, it just makes too much sense. The Atlanta Hawks yeah, have their own pick, and then they have two late first round picks and an early second after that. They do not yeah. need that many picks. I don't care how much they're rebuilding. 
I'd assume right. they'd want a flyer on a guy like Jordan Clarkson, who only has $12 million after this year. But he still provides that high upside potential that could help them out. So it makes too much sense to even just extract. Even if they give us the second round pick, the early second round pick for Jordan Clarkson, I will take that. You know, Give us Marco Bellinelli and that early second round and done deal. Because we need to clear Clarkson's books anyways. But with that said, there are some other deals that could be in play. What do you think about Jordan Clarkson for the Cleveland Cavaliers, number 24th pick, and Seti Oseman? I don't even know who Seti Oseman is, but... What do you uh, think about Osman, that? I, I hate that guy. Seti. <laughs> Seti boy. I actually think the Cleveland Cavaliers would need to throw in some salary to match to match Jordan Clarkson, but uh but what do you think about getting the Cavs first round pick if yeah, if we if we give up Jordan Clarkson? Uh I mean, I'm fine with that trade. I I, I don't think that Cleveland would do it. I I don't know yeah. if like that's not part of the question really, but I don't really know what I care about getting back in a Jordan Clarkson trade. I think my number one priority is get any first-round pick. And so this one gives you a first-round pick. So if Cleveland would do it, and I'm not looking at the numbers, but if Osman and whoever else we get back is expiring, then then that's fine. I don't like it as much as my Atlanta trade because Marco Bellinelli is like a legit, like he can still contribute um, and give us some scoring off the bench. Seti Osman is just like... I'm not trying to shit on him because, like, I don't watch a lot of Cleveland. Garbage. But he's just, he's not that good. He doesn't seem like he's that good right now, anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's uh, far less interesting talking about, I think it's far less interesting talking about Jordan Clarkson because I think we just want him and his salary cap off um, our books. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to Jordan Clarkson because he has been balling out and, um, <laughs> It's like, we just don't want you anymore, but we love you, man. Well, I mean, Alan and I even talked about it in person. We're like, dude, it's going to suck having to say goodbye to this dude. You know, I mean, he was part of, I mean, he made it entertaining for us. That first trust the process year where we had nothing going for us. That was the only reason we watched Laker games, dude. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson. I mean, he was a big part of that. And we thought he was going to be a, you know, a big part of the future. He could indirectly be a big part of our future. It's fine. True, true. Uh, But, you know, he's he's a character. He's funny. He wears wacky stuff. So I mean Jordan Clarkson hey, will man. be missed. Hey man, y'all y'all trying to shit me off, man. This messed up. My Panoy brother, man, trying to get me out of here. Yeah, dude, you're his Panoy brother. How do you feel about that? Y'all the whack, man. You ain't gonna get no no more Alex Caruso jokes no more. Y'all follow that on Twitter, man. That's true. That's true. No, we will miss you, Jordan Clarkson, but we have bigger plans going on. So I guess with that said, we're going to transition. Mahalo, to- my brother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was pretty good pronunciation, man. So, uh, mabuhay. Um, but anyways, oh, <laughs> uh, if, if you've if you've made it this far into this podcast, mabuhay to you as well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's tra- let's transition to Jordan. I mean, Julius Randall. Yeah, I guess my biggest question for for Julius Randall is where do you guys draw the line of what's acceptable for a Julius Randle deal at the trade deadline versus just keeping him through till the end of the year and giving him his qualifying offer, making him a restricted free agent uh, in the summer, and then waiting that decision out based off of whether we can get a superstar free agent or not. So with Randle, it's really about weighing the risks of would the Lakers rather not get anything in return for Randle and eventually have to see him walk or could they use Randall as risk mitigation as well in case they strike out 
with free agents. And, you know, if LeBron doesn't come, if Paul George doesn't come, well, at least they have Julius Randle as a restricted free agent and they can re-sign him. And he's played very well this entire season. He's having a career year. Um, It wouldn't be the worst thing to re-sign Julius Randle on a multi-year deal that will probably be in the eight to twelve million dollar range, and that's a that's a huge bargain. But given that, there's a there's a large possibility that you know the Lakers could see Julius Randle walk, and they might not get anything for him. Whereas if they try to make a deal this trade deadline, they may be able to get a first round pick. So Tommy, I guess what's What's going into your calculus weighing this situation with Julius Randle right now? Do you think that if the Lakers can get a first-round pick for him at the trade deadline and salary cap relief in the form of an expiring contract, would that be enough for you to say, okay, let's pull the deal on this because I don't think we're going to be able to retain Julius Randle anyways? So I guess the Lakers are saying, would I rather have like a first-round pick as insurance for striking out from the two max plan or would I rather have Julius Randle as insurance for the two max plan but there is a scenario where if you trade for a first round pick now you might still get a first round pick and the two superstars you want as well Uh, so Tommy what are your thoughts on that Uh, my thoughts are unless we are getting I, I only trade Julius Randle in two circumstances one we're getting like basically a star player back who's on a reasonable contract for extended years who fits within like our, you know, there is, there is like a small range where we can take back some uh, continuing contract and still go forward with our uh, two max plan, I believe. Um, So that's the one case very unlikely to happen. The second case is if it involves dumping Luol Deng, if we're, which is probably not going to happen. So if we're not doing either of those two things, um, then I'm not going to trade. If I was them, I would not trade Randall. I think for what he brings and for everything Pink has talked about on the uh, last show in terms of, you know, there's going to be so many teams that don't really have money this summer and the market is going to be fairly dead for free agents. I just think for what Randall brings, you can't let a, you know, 23-year-old who can play, like, he can start at the four if he has a stretch big next to him. He His best position is, like, at the backup five, but he does his crazy perimeter switching. He's a good rebounder. He's, you know, not a bad passer. He makes, like, some dumb mistakes, but still young and could learn. Um, he is insanely athletic and will just sprint up and down and beat your centers all day and night. Um, as as much as I've criticized Randall on this, uh, you know, over the past year or two, um, I just think you can't, there's nothing that we can get back for him at this stage, unless we get one of those two things I just said that to me would be worth it. I'm in the camp of let's hold on to him. Let's give him the qualifying offer. If LeBron James and Paul George day one say we're going to commit, okay, we'll renounce him. And then we'll tell him like, you know, this is the most we were we were able to clear out after signing these two maxes. Will you take this, or are you know? And you can even just take it for a year and then try to sign a long term contract next summer, or you know, otherwise you you just you risk it. I guess what I'm getting at is, it's, to me, it's worth the risk of losing him for nothing, um, for the chance that we're able to uh, retain him and the chance that we get nobody else, so we kind of have to retain him. It, that's why, to me, it's kind of just worth it to uh, to lose him for nothing in that case. 
Yeah, so I agree with you. I don't think, however, that there is a scenario where if we get two max free agents, Julius Randle is retainable. But at that point, we're going to get two max superstars anyways, and that'll be okay. Yeah, I I guess I was just thinking of like, so as of this summer, like let's say we're able to make the two max thing work. And then as of this summer, um, Lou Aldang, he only has two years left on his contract. Maybe some team is like, all right, whatever, we're tanking. Like, I'll take two first-round picks from you for Luol Deng. And then the Lakers' calculus becomes like, okay, is Julius Randle worth two first-round picks to us? And in my opinion, given where those picks are going to fall, he probably is because, I mean, there was a period where I thought Randle, I didn't think he was a bust, but I was like, I I guess he kind of fell at, he's playing about where he was drafted. But now I feel like he's become one of the better players from that draft. Um and so for that reason, I think it's, again, it's worth keeping him just in case. Like, you never know what could happen with those types of things, so I, I think it's worth the risk. Wait, so are you, are you saying that the Lakers could potentially trade Julius Randle for first-round picks? No, no, no. I just meant, like, if it comes down to Paul George and LeBron, or, Paul, you know, LeBron, whoever, like, we get two max guys, and then we're trying to, like, weigh how is everything going to work here. One way is, like, okay, we could just stretch dang, right? But, like... Maybe at that point, if we get these two guys to commit, we start looking at other options. Dang only has two years on his contract. And we, because up until now, I think the big thing has been we don't want to give up multiple first round picks and teams aren't biting. But like if Dang only has two years left as opposed to three, which he has now, and we throw in two first round picks, the calculus from like the front office's perspective sort of becomes okay, we didn't want to give up these two firsts before, but. Would we rather give up the two first and retain Julius Randle if it means getting rid of Dang? Does that make sense? Like, so in a yes, way, it's like you're point. trading you're trading the two firsts for Ju- to for the right to retain Julius Randle, and then you you start thinking like, okay, are those two late firsts going to yield us a player? Especially since we're going to be wanting to like compete right away, right? Because if we're getting two stars, like we don't really have time to waste for like okay, let's wait until the 2019 draft to draft a guy who's then going to take four years to develop and LeBron's going to retire, you know? So it, it becomes a, 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 yeah, I don't know. That's just something the front office will have to weigh. Like, is it worth trading these two picks? I, again, none of this, it's very possible none of this happens, but you get, you get the idea. Yeah, I think the only the only thing working against that theory is the fact that the Lakers would have to make these moves so quickly and it's not like they have time to be like, Okay, well, now we can try and get rid of Luau Dang just for nothing by adding in Larry Nance and a free turf for, you know, like, I feel like all of these things would already have to be set up if they were to, like, push that that red button, I guess. Um, but if in, in that case, though, I do agree with, like, maybe they are waiting till the summer to assess all their options. And maybe if LeBron yeah. James and Paul George come, they could ask them, hey, would you rather have Larry Nance or Julius Randle? And, you know, based off of what they say, then they could be like, okay, well, we can either try and or maybe they could ask him, hey, could you give us some time to work out some scenarios? I don't know how plausible that is. No, I think it's plausible, dude. I mean, look, it's like it's not unusual that a guy commits to signing with the team and then doesn't actually sign the contract for like a couple of weeks. Like even it's not necessarily the case that both of I mean, everybody's different, but it's not necessarily that the case that both of these guys are going to commit during that like three day moratorium. And then um, they're going to be like, okay, look, I committed. So I'm trying to sign my contract day one. I think 
if they commit and the Lakers are like, there is this path where we can do it without involving anyone else. In other words, just stretching Luol Deng. But if you give us a few more days, let's see what we can try to do to make the most balanced roster. Because at that point, it becomes like you're not wait, you're not really waiting on anyone else per se. You're just kind of you know you can at any moment if Paul George gets antsy and says, for example, gets antsy and says, "I want to sign now." Boom, stretch Luol Deng, and you're done, and renounce Julius, and you're done. But you do, you don't have that option if you don't keep Randall, and that's why I keep I keep bringing it back to like. For me, it would be worth it to just like keep them and just for the remote possibility that um, that you could try to work something like this out. Yeah. So, I mean, to summarize Tommy's point, you keep Julius Randle and then you make the decision when the time comes if two free agent, two max free agents say yes. Okay. Are we just going to do the bam bam move of stretching Lou Deng and renouncing Randle? Or do we then try and get out of Luau Deng's contract altogether by using Larry Nance, using Zubats, using Josh Hart, and then a future first after that? I think that's very unlikely, especially because the team you trade with knows that the future first are going to be crap because you're getting LeBron James and Paul George, but it's still an option and still a possibility. Uh, so with that said, I'll turn it to you, Alan, and say, has Tommy convinced you to just stick with Julius Randle? Or do you think in the front office's eyes that they're also weighing, well, if we can get into this year's first round, trading Julius Randle, maybe we can do that, especially because it is a new front office. And as we've seen with the old regime, they've kind of uh, cleaned house, so to say. And they, it seems like they want to pick their own guys and getting another first round pick that could potentially fit better. With with two max free agents might be a better option for them, but I guess what are what are your what's your ideal scenario? I think it's way too hard to like get past how much Julius has improved just from year two to year three. Because I mean, he didn't play his first year because he got hurt, you know. So sure, this is his fourth year in the league, but really, it's his third year on the court. And again, as much as we complain about Randall, and as many times in the past as all of us have said, oh, this guy drives me crazy. You know, he's so expendable. Blah blah blah. I mean, you look at this recent stretch of games and you just cannot ignore how much better he is and how much more skilled he is, despite the times he drives you crazy, you know, like that just kind of comes with it. Um, you know, Victor was telling us in our little group chat, shout out to Victor, um, that he has a friend at work who is a Celtics fan. And from his perspective, he's like, you guys would be insane to trade Julius Randle. Unless, you know, like Tommy said, it's for something of, of true value. So getting rid of him for a first round pick um, just does not seem like a good idea whatsoever. Now, had you asked us this several months ago, I don't know. We would probably all be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, do it, whatever. All Randall cares about is his physique and he thinks that he's kind of entitled and this and that. But um yeah, man, he's really shown something recently, so um, I would definitely tend to agree with Tommy. And as far as the front office, you know, wanting to clear house and get their own guys, again, I just feel like what Randall has done cannot possibly be ignored. And, um, I mean, Nance is like an old guy, too, and uh, Eric Pink has even said on the last episode, like, he's one of those guys that they said, oh, no, this this dude is untouchable. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I see it going. Yeah, I think uh, I agree now, too. Or I, I've definitely been swayed towards the side of let's just wait things out with Julius Randle and keep our options open. And at the end of the day, if we have to make that tough decision and we lose out on getting any assets for him in return, 
I know that if we're renouncing Julius Randle, that means we are getting two max superstar free agents. If we're retaining Julius Randle, that means at least we're not striking out so bad that we, we, we don't have a guy like Julius Randle to fall back upon, you know? And I think this is all we were saying. I think this is why we were so mad at the D'Angelo Russell trade, too, because we were like, why, are, why don't we just wait and see? Um, so I think if they can do that with Julius Randle, that would probably be the most um, shrewd, shrewd plan of action to take. Um, with that said, so I'm guessing you guys don't like my uh, Julius Randle to the Boston Celtics for their number 29 pick and Gershon Yabusele. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I would not. Uh, do that. If we could get Gershon and Seti, then you know maybe <laughs> Gershon and Seti, future uh, future all, uh, NBA championship MVPs, future Hall of Famers. Give them their retired jerseys now. I have a slightly more enticing trade than that. I think we'll still probably end up siding with, um, you know, the keeping Julius Randle. But what about Julius Randle to the Orlando Magic for Mario Hazonia and a future first from them? Um, that one's actually that's not that bad. So the thing is, like Mario Hazonia, mm. Mario Hazonia, I really like still. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact that he hasn't really played, um, hasn't gotten like consistent minutes, I feel like his entire, I guess he's only been in the league for like, this is 30 or something, but I still think he's, he's got some game. Like this is a dude who like when he's 24 is all of a sudden he's going to emerge as like a solid role player and everyone's going to be like, how did, what happened to him? Um, Orlando happened. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm pretty high on Mario. Actually, I think he's got good size. He could play the two or the three in the NBA and he does a little bit of everything. And, and the future first from Orlando, like I, unless Orlando is really high on Julius for some reason, they already have Aaron Gordon. So I can't see why they would be. Um, because Julius I, is a backup center, son. That's true, I guess. But if if they were willing to make a trade like that, I would probably do it because a future first from Orlando, that's that team is like going nowhere fast. Um so Sorry, I think I meant to say like future second. Like they're not gonna give up a future. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, future second. Um Yeah, I mean that's closer to I mean, if you're not getting a star or like really or even like an established young player per se, but you're getting somebody who's on a reasonable contract who could be a part of your team moving forward. I would not be completely opposed to, you know, trading Randall for a guy who is drafted in the, Number you know, five. mid lotto uh, in the year after he was drafted. Like that, that type of player is, is uh, I think okay to trade Randall for, although I personally would still prefer to just keep him. Sure, but I think all that to say, like, it would take this type of deal for a flyer and a high potential guy who was a lotto pick to make, to even consider, you know, trading Julius Randle. And Mario Hazonia this year, actually, he's gotten, once he's gotten some minutes, I mean, these are his numbers, when he got like 20 plus minutes for a stint to cover for Fournier, 14 points, 16 points, 14 points, 13 points, hitting threes. I mean, so he definitely still has potential. Um, he just needs the time and opportunity, and um, he could be a potential fit with a LeBron James, Paul George group, uh, given we're always looking for versatile wing players who are athletic and mostly athletic, can shoot. Yeah. yeah, which he can do. Um, so yeah, Alan, I don't know if you have any other thoughts, or do you guys have any trade ideas for Jordan Clarkson or Julius Randle? Uh, as far as the Mario thing, I, w- I would consider it as well, and if it actually happened, I think like we would all be disappointed like oh man like 
Randall's gone. That sucks. But there would be a little bit of excitement behind Hazonia. Um, like you said, there's at the very least, there's potential and the guy is very skilled. But like you said, hasn't really had opportunities. So, you know, consistency would definitely be something that's in question. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think just anyone who ends up in Orlando is going to have, uh, an issue putting out, you know, their, their best foot forward. Um, but yeah, I think we're all pretty much in agreement as to what we would rather have happen, but we'd be okay with it. The thing is, like, I, like, I think the Orlando Magic wouldn't do this at the end of the day. I think that's the biggest impediment to this deal happening. But hypothetically, if they were, I think that's the type of trade the Lakers would look at in terms of a Julius Randle type trade. Either a star like DeMarcus Cousins or another potential high upside flyer like a Mario Hazonia type. Other than that, they'll probably stay the course, keep Julius Randle, um, keep him as insurance in case they strike out for those two max slots. And yeah, I that I think that's pretty much how it'll go. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see where they personally draw the line, but I think we're all hoping that they hold on to Julius Randle based off of how much he's improved this year and how much he's grown as a player on and off the court. Um with that said, I think that'll do it for tonight's show. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, Jordan Clarkson, what do they get? Uh, you get some, some pretty awesome tweets from me, you know, again, you see my little back and forth throwing shade at Alex Caruso, but, you know, you follow these guys over here, man, I'm gonna send you some nice ass tweets, ain't gonna be no messed up stuff like that, so, but if y'all trade me, then, uh, no tweets for you. Hey, are you still locked out of your Instagram account? What is that? Are you still locked out of your Instagram account? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh you know i'm on a social media blackout right now so uh actually i did that on purpose you know what i'm saying Ooh. but uh yeah on the real then yeah 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 i am it sucks i'm so i'm so bored i don't know what to do maybe i should go play some play some basketball or something yeah for sure the social media blackout everybody all right with that said we will catch you guys next time rate and review us on itunes yada yada more trade deadline stuff to come uh we'll catch you later Tommy. Later. Alan. See ya. All right. Peace out, everybody. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.